Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. It is the Migs Cash. My name is Steve Migs, and through the beauty of technology, even though, yes, we are on vacation, I've got Glenn and the Rev on the phone. Well, like on the phone, but... We can lie and say that you guys are in the studio because we're FaceTiming this bitch. So, Rev, what's up, man? Not a whole lot. I woke up like a half hour ago when you were like, hey, you want to do this? I'm like, all right, sure. (laughs) And we got Glenn over there. Glenn, how are you doing, my brother? Uh, I'm doing good, man. I'm actually, I've got a huge smile on my face at the thought of Rev being able to sleep in that late. I think that's incredible. Yeah, right. You guys got it going good. I got up early today because, well, I had an opportunity to interview, and and that's kind of why I I was like, you know, we should do a podcast. I had an opportunity to chat with uh, Rey Mysterio, the the, the former WWE wrestler that's now in Lucha Underground, and I'm like, well, I don't want to just throw a podcast up of like a 10-minute interview, and and I was like, eh, that doesn't feel right. So let me try and get a hold of these guys, and we have the technology. We should be able to pull this off. So it's me, you, it's Glenn, it's, it's Lulu. Lulu's hanging with us. Lulu, say hi. Oh. Hi, Lulu. Lulu, say hi. Oh, of course, she's now shy. No, you're not alone. I've got the Muppet here in the office, but the odds of trying to get her to make a sound are slim to none. <laughs> but she's doing the upside down, pause in the air, look at how adorable I am, dad thing right now. And, and so. <laughs> oh, wait, you're here now. <laughs> There's yeah. Lulu. This is the high-quality podcast you get when we're not together. <laughs> well, Rev, I mean, since we're talking about animals, I want to talk a little bit about uh, what happened with you and Damn It, Carl, get in the house. She's now inter- internet famous. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at him right now. But God, it was so weird. Like, I posted a picture on Twitter in response to some person who I didn't realize was, like, super big in, like, the UK, I guess. She was is like some ordained minister or something over there that was on a TV show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like she posted a picture of a cat. I don't know. It's gone around that a cat that took over like the baby Jesus's manger and like kicked like the little baby doll out and was like laying in the manger. And I was like, all right, that's funny because the cat looks almost exactly like Carl. So I posted a picture that I had done of Carl and then on Saturday, I was or uh, Sunday, I was headed up to G2, and I got a, a text from a friend who was like, did you post this? And it was on Reddit under the AW subreddit, which is where you post cats and babies and all sorts of stuff. <laughs> and he was just, boom, right there up on the front page with, like, at that time with, like, 5,000 upvotes what? and, like... Yeah, and at this point, it's up to like like eighty five hundred upvotes. Wow! It was just my cat right there. Someone stole my picture off of my Twitter and just posted it on Reddit. And I can't even be mad because like my you're cat the king of like internet trolling. So yeah, and it's and it's it's funny because like the rules of Reddit are so weird and arbitrary. Like the rules say that as long as you can post somebody else's picture, like. Be, 
for their own rules as long as you don't try to claim it's your own. And no one did. It was just a person who <laughs> threw it up there and so got if, a massive reaction. If you would have posted that picture on Reddit and said, this is my cat, check it out, that would have been uh, a Reddit no-no. Probably because it's my own stuff. And like, like the rules are like you can't link to anything. So I couldn't link to like his Instagram or... Oh, yeah, it, it, and it's weird because with Reddit, like every every subreddit has its own rules by its own moderator, so it's all just kind of a like I don't get it, but I'm just glad that I saw Carl up on the internet and he's like super famous. <laughs> <laughs> How can people find uh, Carl on Instagram anyway? <laughs> uh, it's really easy if you can spell "damn it, Carl, get in the house," and that's with D A M N I T. <laughs> Because they even misspelled "damn it, Carl." Like they they misspelled it on the Reddit. It was D A M M, and I'm like, that's not how I spell it, They're dude. Wrong. I saw somebody on like, because I, I I never go on Reddit because it just it, it depresses me. But when I saw you yeah, post right. that, I'm like, I got to go on Reddit and check this out. And I'm reading some of the comments, and I love how you and Michelle are like, "That's our cat. This is awesome." And you handle it like, I mean, that, which is a smart way of handling it. Because if you got upset that someone took the picture, then all of a sudden that you guys are the you, you're the Lars Ulrichs of of cat. Instagram. Oh pictures. yeah, totally. Um, but I just love that you guys are posting all that. And then somebody actually wrote, I'm so glad that you spelled damn it. Right. And they spelled it D a M M I T. And I'm like, am I missing something? I didn't know that that was the proper way to spell damn it. Yeah. Actually, oh, I not. thought it was D a M N. Right. Yeah. D a M N. That's the right way. So I don't know why that person's like, oh, no, damn it with two M's is the right way to spell it. Damn so it, the Instagram it. tag, I was laughing the whole time. It's damn it, Carl, get in the house. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's his full name. I love We've you been, for that, man. That picture is actually, oh, God, this sounds so stupid. This picture is actually a part of a series. I'm doing a picture Jesus. every day of Carl in uh, with like holiday stuff, and it's called Carl's Miss. <laughs> And so we've just been posting a ton of pictures and yeah, like, like just right on the Instagram, just doing that the whole time. Cause I thought, Oh, why not? It'll be fun. And it is. I just didn't realize someone would jack it. Well, and I noticed somebody, I, I, um, one of the pictures, it looked like uh, your tree was a casualty of all the, 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 <sighs> yeah, he knocked that thing right over and now, and now he's just taken to, he knows he's not supposed to play with it. So he'll usually do like, um, like we're still talking about the tree right yeah 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 okay. <laughs> <laughs> he'll do like ornament runs well he'll run by and he'll smack it and like keep running because he knows that i'll yell at him or i'll get the squirt bottle like he's he's a smart little jackass tawny and i have been lucky man both our cats kind of looked at it and went oh and then walked on by and i'm like wow it's a christmas miracle I yeah mean, yeah Dude, normally you put up that tree and you're just asking for an apocalypse. But both my cats uh, this year have kind of been like, huh, so that thing's there. Okay, well, there's no food or water near it, so I think I'll just go snuggle. And I felt pretty lucky, man. Do you have a fake tree or do you have a real tree? Oh, we have, we have a Lee Press-On tree, and it's more like <laughs> – ours is probably more in scale about the size of Emmett Otter's Christmas branch. It's maybe three feet tall, um, <laughs> and it fits in a little cardboard box, and every year we swear we're getting another tree, and then every year we go, oh, it's the 19th of December, and we put up the Lee Press-On tree. Oh, that's awesome. And it, it's, a, it's a nice little tabletop tree, you know, and it's, it's – uh, <laughs> yeah, I think my mom got that for me out of pity like 15 years ago, and my wife and I have been like, "Sweet, get the tree." Well, now <laughs> it's like since. now it's like it's tradition. We can't get a better tree. It's a traditional thing we do. 
That's right. That's right. Carl, uh, Carl is eating the fake tree anyway, so I think we're going to have to go own natural next year so he doesn't poison himself uh-huh. or something. Dude, well, but that that makes me, you know, that means Carl's stool will either smell of fresh pine or smell of fresh plastic. (laughs) (laughs) We lucked out with ours. When we first we have a fake tree uh, and the best way to get a fake tree, if you if you're sick of having a real tree, but your your significant other loves real trees, if she's afraid of spiders and a spider comes out of that real tree, all of a sudden she wants a fake tree. And that's kind of what happened with our world, which has been awesome. Uh, but for the longest time, we had like all of our ornaments and we had like a, it's almost like a stuffed toy UW Huskies ornament, like a snowman with a, a Huskies logo on it. And that's when Lulu was like all about it. It's like, she's like, okay, I'm pulling on that. I'm pulling. Once we removed all what looked like a plush toy ornament off of that bottom row. It's been great. Like she has stayed away from all the ornaments because of that. That makes sense. Yeah. Ted and I went and tried to get a Christmas tree for him. Uh, D Ted Smith. Uh, and we go to this, like, it's so like rundown <coughs> old Christmas tree shop. And every time we go there, the guys are always hammered, but we just assumed it's because we typically have gone like two, three days before Christmas. And we're like, okay, well maybe they're just like, it's time to just go knee deep in Christmas cheer. Well, we went earlier this time, and we had a big bet. We're like, okay, are they going to be hammered? We show up. There's still a few trees left. Those two guys wasted beyond belief, and it's like two in the (laughs) afternoon. (laughs) Well, it's because, you know, every year... Every year, those guys are probably real low on cash because yep. they just do the they do the tree thing every winter. So now that they're they're flush with cash, they're like brother. And so yeah, it's on. <laughs> Top you know shelf is, booze. Man. Yeah, as soon as you got some <laughs> coin in your pocket, let's party, brother. And otherwise, it's like oh man, I can't go out tonight. I'm too broke. So they're standing there in the tree, the, the tree field. They are not cold. You know, they're they're hammered. You know. Yeah, they got like yeah, the, right. they got one of those little RVs that they're hanging out inside of. And when we pull up, like my vote was, I don't think they're going to be drunk. They might have a nice buzz but they're not gonna be hammered we show up the, the one guy opens up the window pops his head out like straight out of like christmas vacation and it was like cousin eddie and he's just hammered he's just like hey guys you want a douglas fur and i'm like all right ted you won uh, those guys are in there they're mainlining I w- right now i wonder if you could actually yes. like barter booze oh that's a good call last year we got the tree for 20 bucks it's typically 40 but because it was like the day before christmas eve they're like, yeah, just take it for twenty. And Ted wound up giving him a twenty dollar tip on top of it because he was prepared to pay forty. This time around, <laughs> it was still forty four bucks for that Douglas fir. It was a nice tree, but yeah, maybe next time we should just show up with like a bottle of like vodka. Yeah, no, I think I think Rev's onto something. Find something that's maybe a thirty five to forty dollar bottle. Yeah, just as for the sake totally. of experimentation, show up the next year and be like, hey guys, listen. Uh, don't have any cash, but I've do I've got this, you know, bullet twelve year right here. Oh, you can take any tree on the lot. <laughs> take them all. You can have my sister. You know? <laughs> take the RV while you're at it. We'll stay warm with this. <laughs> It'd be great. We should just show up one time with like a recording setup and just be like, "Hey guys, you want to podcast with us?" And just just podcast mm-hmm. with the tree sellers. Yeah, y'all did. Well, we start drinking around about October in preparation for the cold season. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like, just pros. They are world-class pros, man. That is so true, man. I, I, it makes you wonder, though, like with those guys, like when you see like the dudes that like have the pop-up, like, you know, when Seahawks season's going on, all of a sudden, do you think it's the same people like they, they, they do for a season, a football season, they're selling all like the 12th man flags, then they're selling the fireworks, and then they're selling the Christmas trees. 
I mean, that's reasonable. It, it makes sense that basically they just year-round uh, sort of event or season hop. Yeah. Um, you know, I could see that being, you know, and then it, then they got the little sunglasses booth down on uh, <laughs> what used to be the Seattle waterfront in right. August, you know? Yeah, which we yeah. which is like shut down for construction since like two years ago. Oh, yeah. It's the apocalypse down there, man. I, I, I saw Mad Max and Tina Turner down there having cocktails. I was like, oh, I thought that's what was up, dude. <laughs> Glenn, yeah. man, how was uh? I, I want to forget before I forget. Uh, how was the show with uh, Randy Hansen, man? Oh, dude, it, it was a riot, man. Um, you know, a, a couple little speed bumps. We found out about an hour before doors that the Everett Theater. We're, we're used to dealing with concert venues, and they do a little bit of everything there, including live music. But mm-hmm. for you know, as long as I've been doing this, as long as Tony's been doing this, when you see. You know, 7 p.m., that means doors at 7 p.m. The show starts at 8. Right. <laughs> well, when they said 7 p.m., they meant the show starts at 7 p.m. and doors are at 6. And even on their own website, it didn't say doors at 6. It just said 7 p.m. Oh, so no. we went into that scramble mode of, you know, holy God, everyone. We just found out we're on an hour earlier. See, even Lulu's not digging it. No, she's, she's, you know? <laughs> she's, she's furious. She's growling. She's like, I am but, so um, pissed off. <laughs> I think uh, it worked out well in that, um, you know, people, the, the place filled up early and fast. So we played to a nice packed house. But oh, then good. it was interesting, too, because that theater, those people pay money for certain seats in certain areas. And then there were expense tiers involved. So to be down front, I think, was 28 bucks, but up on the balcony was 15 or whatever the case may be. So we started playing, and within half a song, people piled into that area at the front of the stage to begin their rock concert experience. Right. Well, and it was weird. Halfway through the set, I noticed that audience had thinned out considerably, and I couldn't figure out why. I was like, man, we're playing our nuts off. The room's really enjoying the show. It's all's going as well as it can go. Well, it turns out sure. security was coming down front and telling people, this is a direct quote, if you're not dancing, you need to sit down. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then it was, you know, these people paid these people paid good money for these seats and you're blocking their view. So unless you're going to dance, you need to be seated. Wow. And so theater staff was going around making our fans sit down. So I, I still haven't seen any of the photos, but I'm imagining these pictures where you only see like seven or eight people up front. And you're like, oh, it was empty. Nah, man. That place was well attended. I mean, it wasn't sold out, but there were hundreds of people in the venue, but they weren't allowed to come down front and enjoy the show. Weird. They were literally being told, hey, if you're not dancing, you need to sit down. And a few of our fans were like, "Uh, no, try and make me. And that was why we still had, we maybe had 25, 30 people up front, but I was like, what is what's wrong? Are we just not, maybe it doesn't sound good. What's happening? And right. No, that's amazing. I was told that we played incredibly, that it sounded incredible. <laughs> Everyone was blown away by the set. We sold tons of merch, lots of new records, lots oh, of new nice. fans, uh, young and old, you know, it was really a great experience. And then once we got that blank filled in, we went, Oh, but that's like a blank. Wouldn't you like to have that blank filled in before you hit like that first note of the show that way, at least in the back of your mind? Because I would imagine that whole set. You're like, what? What did we do wrong? Why are people? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Well, and and then, you know, it is the song ends and the room explodes. I'm like, well, no, okay. People, they're enjoying it. They're really enjoying it. But. Yeah, I don't, you know, and I, I didn't do the math on it. And I was like, dude, just focus on doing your job. And so we just got up there and, and played our balls off and had a great set, had a fantastic time. Uh-huh. The 
all the feedback was just, you know, wow. Um, which is always great, you know. Um, but yeah, that that's what happened. I mean, we had a nice, thick, fat audience down front, and people were pouring down the aisles to come rock out with us. And you know, it's like a uh, a smaller, narrower, more theater. So you've got you know several high balcony levels and then a floor level, you know. Right. Um, and yeah, then th- that audience started thinning out, and I'm like, huh, they were being told to be seated because they were blocking the view of the people who had bought front row seats for the show. And I'm thinking it's a rock show. Stand up. Right. But, you know, I, I don't even think those people down front were given the opportunity to stand up before security was making our fans be seated. So it was a very bizarre, very bizarre show. You know, it's one of those things, and not in a maliceful way at all. I just don't see us ever returning there um, because if our fans can't come down and and be a part of the show with us, that's not a venue that we would probably choose to play. No, it sounds, so, like, it sounds like a weird <laughs> sequel to Footloose. Yeah. <laughs> All I need is a Volkswagen and a barn, man. <laughs> That's the next window pane music video. We recreate oh, God, all of this. Yes. And then finally, like right when you get into that second chorus, the entire crowd does the footloose, footloose dance routine. Oh, dude. When you got to have the, what are they, the, not the, the triple beams or what's it called? The little, because all of a sudden Kevin Bacon was a, a mystery gymnast. Remember that? Oh, my God. He's dancing and then suddenly he was a gymnast. And I'm like, wait a minute. I've been in lots of barns. There's no gym equipment in barns. <laughs> and, and even as a young kid, I'm like, man, there's no way that N-Dash single speaker Craco stereo system rocks that whole barn that tough. I mean, there's just no way. When, when a, I don't care if Kenny Loggins is playing or not, man. That stereo is not that loud. When a kid is questioning the authenticity of like the plot line of a movie, they need to rethink the movie. Well, you know, look. Issue with anything I was being sold. Meanwhile, I'm like, hey, wait a minute, man. There's no way that little cassette deck's that loud. <laughs> <laughs> it was a footloose thing, man. You know, so and John awesome. Lithgow was far better in Buckaroo Bonsai than he was in Footloose. That's all I got to say. About oh that. gosh, that was a great movie too. Yeah, Lord John Warford, <laughs> man. <laughs> Glenn, I was wondering. I don't know if you want to talk about it because we've talked about the obviously like just the the, the ups and downs of things that are going on in your world. And uh, you know, if you don't want to, I I just saw something. Uh, just recently, somebody posted a picture and it made me think of you. And it was just like one of those inspirational memes. And typically, I don't find inspiration in those memes. But <laughs> this one I thought was just really kind of uh, it made me think of you. And it was a really powerful one. It just said, someday you'll look back and understand why it all happened the way it did. And I was just like, wow, that just kind of reminds me of just like some of the, the, the roller coaster that's been going on in your world. And I know that it, there's been some great news recently. Uh, yeah, man, I, I, had, I had mentioned last podcast that literally the day after um my brother joel uh died or well he was on life support for four days so it's it's how to even put a date stamp on that so yeah. we'll say that the day after his accident um some really hard times befell me in other ways and in a miraculous turnaround i mean eight nine days later all of those things were relieved and then doubly relieved to like a lightning strike so um and I've said, you know, I believe what you want to believe, but there's a part of me that's got to believe that that somehow Joel had a hand in, in that. Like, you know, you always say, hey, man, I feel like there's someone looking after yeah. me. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And the way, the way all that unfolded, it was one of those things where I literally was like, man, you know, I don't know what to think. That's that's the, the most comforting way I can approach all this is it's beyond me. You know, I don't I don't, I don't know what to think, but I've. I've got to think that maybe my friend um, kind of went nap and and put those fires out or had a hand in it. So yeah, a lot of 
a lot of very scary times turned into positive times. And then, you know, on the Joel front, the, the day after our show uh, in Everett, his, yeah. his wake and life celebration was held at Slim's, which was one of his favorite spots. Slim's last chance down on First Ave. And, man, they did a memorial ride. Um, I put up a few photos, but, I mean, just a truckload of Harley Davidsons, an ocean of people, um, some beautiful presentations. Jamie Burton Chamberlain, who's a film and video maker, did a beautiful video uh, for Joel and his family. There were oh, – wow. It was all so well done. There was programs and just it, it was just beautifully done and beautifully handled. Um, Jamie really put together an amazing event with a lot of help from other people. They had memorial T-shirts, um, uh, acoustic performances. Um, it, it, it turned into a really very sad but amazing day. Um, me, uh, Tony, and Ben. Um, who used to? He's a screen printer. He used to play in the band Mindshaker. We did an yeah. unplugged version oh, yeah, of one ben. of Joel's songs. Yeah, yeah, Axeman. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, I saw the, that, okay, I saw the pictures of the the of, or the video of him screen printing the shirts uh, for uh, yep. for Joel, and those were beautiful looking. Oh yeah, the, they were they're magnificent, man. And someone else had done uh, uh, memorial bandanas that have his logos on it. And, oh wow! And then uh, Parker Lundgren from Queensryche, um had custom patches uh, made, the West Seattle Wrecking Crew patches, and there was a patching ceremony Damn. where uh, wow. everyone that was part of this group got a patch and. You know, and everyone had a quick chance to speak, and I, I said some kind words, and it, it was uh, a real beautiful and cool day. I mean, a sad and heavy day. I mean, there were a couple yeah. times I had to go for a quick walk and collect myself, and there were other times that I was literally just, you know, having a genuine laugh and, and hugging someone, and um, you know, and all that wrapped around eight o'clock, and then we uh, went and loaded our equipment back into our room, and then went down to Studio Seven and, and hung out with a lot of his family and friends. And the club was closed, but Tracy just opened up the, the club for oh, us wow. to hang out and be in. Yeah, nice. so it was great. I mean, I spent a lot of time just in the live room of Studio Seven. You know, like six people just standing there having a great conversation and tracy was just it became a little private party down there at studio seven um and it was it was just a really cool day man it was um a long hard beautiful fun sad amazing troubling weekend <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah lots of ups and downs for sure so, man. you know tony and i were sick all weekend um and i managed to keep that sort of at bay um and, uh, you know, as of yesterday morning, I woke up with uh, <laughs> just a wreck and I'm still a little wrecked today, but I'm going to be fine. You know, I'm just glad it held out through the weekend. And and that's what's going on, man. I think everything's going to work out all right. And the memorial for my friend was really overwhelming. There's lots of photos and stuff out on uh yeah, I saw. Out on the internet. I saw yeah. a few pictures. I mean, the one, one of the more powerful ones. There was a couple that were like the the, the row of Harleys and, and all other motorcycles yeah. that were in front of the Slim Slash Chance. It was like, wow, that was heavy. And then also when everybody placed flowers on his his ride, I thought it was just like a what a great tribute to a man. Yeah the the bike the bike that he crashed. Um, my understanding is his his best friend Vinny actually they repaired that bike. And Vinny rode that bike down. Wow. And then the oh, bike wow. that you saw, the flowers yeah. on everything, that was his chopper. Um, and I believe it's nicknamed Molly. And so they got his chopper down there, too. And that was the one that had all the flowers wow. and everything around it. So both of his motorcycles were there. Um, yeah, it was, uh, you know, it was pretty amazing, man. It was, it was really a lot of heart and a lot of tears. And yeah. But, you know, it's one of those things where I heard it multiple times that day where people would just look around and say, my God, if Joel could see this, 
you know, <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> you know, just all these people, this ocean of people, and they were all there for him. And I heard that from so many people that that day, just, man, if Joel could see this, if he could see how he brought us all together, if he had any idea, you know, um, I think he would just be blown away. And, you know, I can't agree with that more, man. Um, so dearly missed and forever remembered, but he really united a lot of souls. And I've met and, and made some new friends as a result of this and then gotten closer with people that I've known for a long time. But as a result of this, I'm sure that they're going to be. Wow closer to me now so uh if you want to look for a light anywhere um even in his passing i think that uh joel gave us the gift of brotherhood and really united and sisterhood i should really make that clear too yeah um a family of brother and sisters that are united uh in a whole new way and so even in his passing i see that as a gift that he gave to those he left behind I I, I, um, I can only if, if I if I could look back on my own life and know that with you know if 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 I'm no longer here I could bring people together to become friends and strong and strengthen a brotherhood or a sisterhood yeah how do you not look down upon that with a huge smile on your face and just you know what I mean like that's yeah that's oh yeah that's something that I think all of us could only hope for is that our our presence brings people together that's amazing well and that's why I say I mean it was a sad but beautiful and remarkable day you know. Um, my, you know, I, that's all I can say about it, man. I mean, cause I look around at that and, and it's pretty, it's pretty amazing, you know? Um, so as, as, as sorrowful as many of us are, I think a lot of people there looked around and went, my God, look at this, look at all these people, look at all these lives intersecting and coming together in a whole new way. Um, what better way to honor our friend? And what, and that, so, in a way that continues to, I mean, his spirit lives on because of the friendships and the stories and. And I got to say, I love that your guys' version of uh, The Prince, uh, was it, you did Purple Rain. Yeah, yeah, yeah we uh, we did that to end the show. We were going to play a full-on rock show. If you look, you see the Marshall Stacks and stuff in there. Uh-huh. And Celeste that owns Slim, I mean, she, Slim's, she usually shuts down around 8 or 9 o'clock. And everyone was talking and, and, and socializing and enjoying themselves. And I finally pulled her aside and said, Celeste, listen – if windowpane performs the way we had planned to, it's going to be motorhead loud in here. And I'm like, yeah. I, I was, you know, yeah. And I was like, I'm not sure that I'm not sure that this is the place for that. I'm like, look around. Everyone's talking. Everyone's, you know, I, I don't, I think it's going to be disruptive, not cool. So 10 miles wide did an amazing unplugged set. Mm-hmm. And then what we did was we got up and I think we only did three songs. We did House of Cards Unplugged. Then we did number 28 with a medley of Led Zeppelin's Cashmere blended in. Nice. And at that point, I just wanted people to be able to enjoy each other's company. Um, and so we nice. went ahead, and that was something that, that Jamie, that had assembled the event, uh, had requested, was that we did uh, Purple Rain. So we did those two songs. And then just for the sake of people being able to socialize um, and be together, uh, I kind of made the call to, hey, let's let's just do Purple Rain and wrap it up at this point. And so, yeah, we we did Purple Rain, and it came across beautifully. Of course, me being me, man, um, and if you listen, oh, guitar players out there will see that I just start changing my hand positions. My <laughs> B string, My B string drifted flat. 
my B string diff- drifted flat during the song. And so I, if you watch my hand, you can see me catch it, realize it, and then start playing a D chord out of a bar <laughs> chord position. And re- like, literally I was like, Oh no, no, no. You know, it's <laughs> Glenn, I'm always watching your hand. So it's no big surprise to me. <laughs> oh, man. That's hot. So, you know, it, there's all this touching video of that performance that's been circulating and I watch it and I'm like, boy, is that beautiful. And then halfway through, I'm like, Oh man, you know, um, I think just a blast of cold air from one of the doors rolled up across the stage and my B string went, nope, and just drifted a hair flat. And I'm the kind of guy that that's just fingernails on a chalkboard, you know? So I was about to say, uh, was it the weather? I was like, you know, because I know that like, weather can affect strings and things like that. So that's crazy. Oh, yeah, man. Uh-huh. Cold air, cold air on a guitar, you know? Um, plus, your hands warm up the wood and wood expands and contracts based on heat and cold. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, someone walked through a door or something and a little rush of cold air hit my guitar and it went nope and i'm like oh <laughs> son of a bitch <laughs> You know, that that's me. It's funny. Yeah. I, I know lots of people have seen that recording now of us doing Purple Rain, and I've just seen nothing but positive feedback, and man, it's beautiful. But yeah, it was awesome. the, the, the musician in me is sitting there going, oh, God, oh, oh, I'm out of tune. I'm out of tune. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, there it is, right? There it is. I just, I, I just sang my backside off. I sang the hell out of it. I mean, even if you listen to the end of the song, I think I hold out a note and vamp it, and I was just trying to throw my heart into it, and it seemed like people really enjoyed it, and there was a good response, and, you know... There, there it is. You know, there it is. Oh, dude, it was awesome. It was, it, it was, it was, it was really cool to watch. Um, for Rev, I know your weekend was immersed in the world of geekdom with uh, G two. I made it, I made it over there for a half a second. I was just curious uh, before we wrap this up. Uh, how, how was uh, G two for you, my man? Oh, it was super fun. We got to do a uh, a live podcast at Geek Nation, which was the first time we've ever done that. Like I've done panels before and stuff, but it was it was fun to get like. Oh gosh, I think we ended up with like seven of us up there and just BSing and that was amazing. And I, I was able to check out some of the VR stuff and oh my God, do I want a VR headset so bad. VR in college during my mushroom phase would be, I would, I don't think I would ever leave my room. Like the, No, you wouldn't need to. The, Glenn, <laughs> the VR experience is, is unreal. You put on these goggles and you basically are submerged in the world of the video game. Oh, that's incredible. I saw that they are doing basically a uh it looked to me more like a like an X-wing flight simulator the simulator that's yeah. coming out for Rev you probably know better than what I'm talking about. Um, it might be PS3 or 4 or Xbox but it was headgear that you wore yeah. and it was like you were in the cockpit of an X-wing 
And yeah. I haven't been into gaming for years, but if I have a chance to fly an X-Wing or an A-Wing <laughs> or a Y-Wing, I'm coming up with five or 600 bucks, buddy, because it'll be 1977 again in this right? house, man. I'm telling you. Hell yeah. Part of that is it, it, it's uh, the PlayStation 4. I know that they have it, and it's part of their, their, their VR system is that if I think it's if you get uh, the new Star Wars Battlefront game that comes as an add-on, and I don't know how involved the, the that game is, but I, I either want to get like a, a Vive, the HTC, or like a PlayStation one because they're doing so many crazy stuff, and it's it's a stone's throw away from Demolition Man when they're sitting when Sylvester Stallone and Sandra Bullock <laughs> are sitting across the room doing whatever they're doing, not touching, but the full immersive experience, you know. Oh, that's awesome! Uh, that's incredible. Everyone, like everyone, was having a great time, and so I didn't want to, uh, like, with uh, a lot of those things, like with a laser tag, the line was kind of kind of logged for that, and I didn't want to just like I didn't want to be like that, you know, the the dick that was like cutting yeah. in line, being like, "Hey guys, you know, check me out." Excuse me, like, Rev walking through. Yeah, <laughs> so I, I let them all to you know let them to their own on that, but I went, I kind of went crazy with. Uh, I hung out a lot at the little at the uh, retro arcade area, just playing some of the old school stuff, and even the indie games. They had some uh, indie games and stuff, and it was kind of hilarious because I'm sitting there and I'm playing. Uh, Michelle is playing one of the games, and it's like this little puzzle game where you got to match uh, colors, but it's four players, and you got to do it the quickest to win. And she ended up at one point handing off the controller to me, and it was these three other kids, that, you know, little you know, teenagers and stuff playing it. And then I just suddenly start wrecking them, and one of the kids turns and looks at me and is just like, where did you come from? And I just started <laughs> cracking up. You're like, who's the master? <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like, well, I might be a little bit on the spectrum here, so don't worry about that. I'm just really good at patterns. Don't worry. Yeah, even so they had like a great like it was like an eight foot tall video screen wall and it was and and people were playing Pac-Man and it was just like I need that in my home. Oh, God. Yeah, (laughs) it is so cool. It's just like being at a rave and Pac-Man is just dancing around. Dude, the highlight for me, though, was funny. Like, I, 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 I'm going to give someone a little bit of a tough time. One of our rockaholics and one of the guys that listens to the radio. Uh, he comes up to me. He's like, Smigs, having a blast. I'm like, cool. And, he's, and he starts, you know how sometimes people want to share whatever complaints that they have. And some of them I, I could get. Like, there was a long line or whatever. I'm like, yeah, I understand that. And then, and then out of the blue, he goes, and plus, security sucks. And I'm like, okay, well, what happened? I'm thinking uh, he had like a run-in with security. Somebody like gave him a hard time. Whatever. They made yeah. him sit down. They're right? Yeah, you, you need to... <laughs> If you're not dancing, you need to sit down, buddy. <laughs> it's like, I'm at G2. There's no music. No, but so the guy, he's like, yeah, man, when I first came in, you know, they didn't even search my bag. And I'm like, bro, if this is the big issue of your experience at G2, I would say that is a, a, a resounding success. Like, yeah, yeah, I would say thank you. you right? Know? <laughs> right? He's like, I had my bag out. I was opening it up and he didn't even look in it. You That's know? like... It's like TSA, man. Like, man, I was in airline security, and they didn't even finger me. I am so upset. They didn't put me in the back room. I, I'm never fl- – I, I can't believe TSA just sucks. I don't understand. Right? I had a whole bunch of weed on me, and they didn't even take it. This place sucks. I should have been arrested. Have you guys ever had a, a TSA? I had an experience where I, I always wear – I wear – I like big watches, and I had this big vintage leather band watch that yeah. had all this stuff on it, and – I took my wallet and then I took my vintage watch off and I wrapped it around my wallet and I shoved it in my boot at the Pittsburgh airport. And that went through the little scanner 
and I had a very polite conversation with some men with M16s. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Um, dude, they called me aside and they got on the radio and two gentlemen with, uh, you know, uh, with automatic weapons approached. And literally it was the, is this your bin? Yes, sir. May I reach into this bin? Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. May I reach into your right jacket pocket? Yes, sir. You can look through anything you want. May I reach into your left jacket pocket? Yes, sir. You can reach anywhere you want, bro. Right. May, may I, mm -hmm. They were really going through the steps, probably for the sake of documentation, I'm guessing. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. Um, and finally, he's like, you know, can I reach into your right boot? I'm like, yes, sir. As I said, anything, you know, whatever you gentlemen need. And then, you know, with heavy, may I reach into your left boot? And I went, Oh man. Oh, I have a huge watch. I wrapped it around my, I wrapped it around my wallet. Oh my God, dude. Yes. Oh, oh, it's, it's a watch. Oh it's my just a gosh. Watch. No, you know, you know, and I just look that had to have looked like a wad of something wrapped in something with a damn wristwatch yeah, right? face on it. With and it a went timer. That, <laughs> and yeah. And, and, and I was so, dude, you talk about being polite. I was like, I don't care if I miss my flight. These men are armed, right. whatever. There's cooperation. And then there's what I was doing, which is way past cooperation. <laughs> you want to back rub while you're looking through my pants? <laughs> oh, dude, you know, and it's, it's, it's funny. And, you know, I think, you know, they even make the, the joke in Fight Club about modern bombs don't tick, et cetera. But I just think at a glance, they went, you need to have a look at this. And, yeah, right. uh, yeah, I only bring that up as a security story. I've wow. got some stories for everything, but yeah, that happened. But when the, there were two men in, in uniform that had, you know, AR 15s or M 16s, depending on how you want to label the same weapon. But when the, <laughs> when the guys with the machine guns came up, I was like, okay, what you want me to stand here naked? No problem, dude. I don't care if everyone can see whatever. Just, I don't yeah, right. want to go to jail. I don't want to go to Gitmo, whatever I got to do. <laughs> I, I, I don't want a blank meat sandwich like they had in Harold and Kumar goes to Guantanamo Bay. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. That was the Pittsburgh airport um, oh, a few, few years back. But uh, definitely got my attention. They were very courteous. Dude, I got to say, very courteous. Well, yeah, And I'm nervous going through TSA, and I never have anything that could ever be of anything, except for one time I accidentally forgot to pull out like a corkscrew slash, you know, like those little, like they have like the little knife on it so you could cut the... The, the, the plastic part of whatever kind of wine bottle. Uh, oh, yeah. And, and they're like, do you have any kind of weapons? I'm like, no. And like, well, what is this? And I'm like, oh, man. Well, it's not. I can understand how that could be construed as a weapon. You can certainly throw that away. I did not. It was just in the bag. I'm sorry. Likely story, but I'm sorry. <laughs> like, well, but I'm, I'm picturing but Steve. <laughs> like, I'm picturing Steve like, do you have any kind of weapons? And he looks him dead in the eye and says, only my fists, sir. <laughs> 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 and my love guns. You think this is funny? <laughs> I am a weapon. <laughs> the weapon is me. That would just be the worst. <laughs> yeah, yeah, then you'd probably get uh, the internal cavity search, which apparently you're supposed to, to complain about, you know, so. <laughs> well, was G2, was it two days, Rev? Yep. I mean, hit me yep. this, man. Fill, fill in some blanks for me, bro. It was, yeah, it was two days. They did, like, some gaming. They did uh, Gears of War, which is um, super popular. They had, like, a, a competition with that. Um, tons of panels, tons of VR stuff. Uh, and, yeah, that was, they had, oh, my God, uh, Michelle did this, and there was no way in how I was doing it. But they had, like, essentially, like, a, a gyroscope. Like you just yes. a four seater that you just you sit in and then they just spin you around until you vomit. Like, like I wasn't gonna I wasn't gonna be about that at all because I, I've literally <laughs> puked on a Ferris wheel. 
But it's funny you brought that one up because when we were hanging out, uh, I was in the, the bar area, which is right by that like, that gyroscope thing. And yeah. there's a long line. A lot of people were waiting. I'm like, there's no way in hell I would go on that. And then a guy that was in line comes up and says hi to Ted and I. And I'm like, hey, man, so wait, weren't you in line? He's like, yeah. They just said that they needed an hour to go through it because there's a there's a malfunction or something. And oh, I'm geez. like, and I'm like, you know, usually like I would be annoyed to get kicked out of a line. But when it comes to like something that's spinning you in circles, I'm, saying, I'm like, you know what? Take all the time you need. I'll come back. I'll wait in another line. I do not yeah, want right. to risk that. Well, that's that's like a trippy thing that happens at airports where they're like, hey, we're going to be delayed and you have to stay on the plane for three hours because, you know, engine two went down. Yep. And it's not that I don't trust that they hire really skilled mechanics. But at that point, I'm like, hey, bro. I'll hang out while y'all switch out the plane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, right? We're we're gonna throw a band aid on engine two. Eh, I, you know, I tell you what, man. I'll just get off. <laughs> <You> <laughs> yeah, give me a voucher. I'll come back tomorrow. Yeah, I'll deboard. I'll sleep in the airport. Yep. It's cool. It's gonna be cool, man. <laughs> we don't need to rush this process at all. <laughs> well, and then people get mad. They're like, oh, we had to sit there for three hours. While, what do you want them to rush? You want them to get it done fast? Right. Dude. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Throw no. some duct tape, a little WD-40. Put us up in the air. It's fine. No, yeah, no some risk. dirt on it. Right. Yeah, that, that thing from Twilight Zone, the movies, just straight standing on the tarmac, having a cigarette, cigarette waiting to jump on the wing, you know, like. My favorite yeah. one time, they were like, well, we're going to be a little delayed. And I thought, oh, they're going to tell us like either low on gas, there's a malfunction. They're like, we don't know where the captain is just yet. And I'm like, hammered. Right. Oh, I'm thinking like, that seems like a major part of this process. Like you should be able to keep tabs on the pilot. Yeah. He's, <laughs> he's in the restroom. He just had to cook up real quick. So he didn't get sick mid flight. He right. He's, he's got to get his medicine and then we'll be in the air boys and girls, but hang tight. We're missing the captain of this plane. And I, oddly enough, we're also missing the most attractive flight attendant. We're not sure where <laughs> either of them are. Say. But I'm the captain now. There could be a coincidence. We don't know. <laughs> well, you guys, I kept you a lot longer than I was uh, planning. But, man, it's always good to catch up with you guys. Um, uh, uh, next week, I'm going to probably I, I might be able to record an interview with this guy, with my buddy James. He's the guy who put together Defy Wrestling. I don't I, I do want to just throw this out there for people who are listening is that um, and I'll, I'll do a little like mini podcast next week with James to kind of go fully into detail about this. But I'm going to be a ring announcer for an independent wrestling promotion here in Seattle called Defy Wrestling. And awesome. I am so beyond pumped. And, and the, the first match that Defy Wrestling is doing is on January 13th, a Friday night. And it's going to be at the Washington Hall, which is right around the First Hill area. It's a old, I guess, venue that they just renovated, like spent millions of dollars, the city did, to put it back together. And it's got an incredible vibe from what I hear. So we're going to be cool. doing independent wrestling there. And Cody Rhodes is going to be in the main event against Tacoma's own Shane Strickland, who goes by Killshot and Lucha Underground. I know this is all foreign language to you, Glenn, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know what a kill shot is. <laughs> 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 but it's going to be pretty awesome, and the tickets are on sale right now. It's just Defy, D-E-F-Y, Wrestling.com. Get tickets before they sell out. It's a small venue, so uh, I'm sure it's going to sell out before the show actually happens. So if anyone is a big wrestling fan, or if you haven't ever seen independent wrestling, but you like you know, you like know watching wrestling on TV, you should come check it out. It's definitely 
a lot of fun. It's very audience interactive. It's it's going to be a blast. And plus, next week I'll I'll be sure to pop on an interview that I did a while back with uh, Shane Strickland, which oh, actually yeah. got put into. I'll share it on the Mixcast Facebook page. I'll try and remember to do that. If not, if you just search for it, you'll find it. I shared it on the my Steve Miggs Facebook page. It's a cool mini film that they did about Shane Strickland coming back to the Northwest for the first time since he was born, because you know he's like a military kid. And he was born here, but then went off elsewhere. And, and he came back to Tacoma for the first time, swung by the radio station to do an interview with me. And they put together a short film about all of this. And it's really well done. I was like, I had goosebumps. I'm like, wow, this is like legit. This looks awesome. So that's uh, really cool, man. Yeah, that's dude. really, really cool. I'm really, really excited about it. As, as a wrestling geek, I'm like, I have no idea what my involvement is. I know that they want me to be the ring announcer, uh, but there's also talks of me having some kind of a, a role, not wrestling, but like kind of like an authority figure maybe. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but I'm pretty pumped about it, and I'm sure I'll have more details when I chat with James about it uh, on the next podcast. But uh, this has been a blast, man. I'm glad that we can make technology work and do this. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, we, we accomplished something, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's always great talking to you guys. And now uh, we're, we're going to jump into an interview that I did just a little bit ago uh, with Ray Mysterio. He's part of Lucha Underground, which is Wednesday nights on the El Ray Network at 8 p.m. So uh, without further ado, Ray. Hello. Hey, how's it going, my man? Good, man. How you doing? I'm doing. I'm good doing. Morning. Good morning to you as well. Uh, happy early Christmas, too, and all that good stuff. Thank you. Likewise. Uh, last time I got to talk to you, it was right before your your big debut on Lucha Underground. And uh, oh, first of all, Lucha Underground is on Wednesday nights on the El Rey Network. I, I've I've banged the drum of Lucha Underground for many years now. I absolutely love it, and having you be a part of it has been just awesome. And uh, the last time I talked to you. It was before we got to see you on Lucha Underground. So I was curious now, since being on it, what has it been like for you? What's the experience been like? What's been some favorite memories of Lucha Underground uh, for you? It's been incredible, man, from from being able to work in the ring with, with different opponents. That has probably been one of my highlights. You know, I, I get to go back to my uh, to my roots, to, to what I enjoyed very much practicing at a very young age, you know, Lucha, the Lucha Libre style, Yeah, you know, um, and the comp, the competition is just incredible. So I gotta, I gotta make sure I stay on point, man, because then Prince Pumas and Pentagons, you know, uh, the Phoenix, the Dragos, boy, the, the Aerostars, these kids are, wow. I mean, talk about some high flying hybrid style, man. This is, this is just incredible. Uh, you know, I, I sometimes, I'm either backstage watching the monitor or watching through a, a crack in the wall and I get to see the moves that these guys are pulling off and I'm like, wow, it's just blowing my mind away. <laughs> That's crazy for you. I, mean, I would imagine if they're listening to that right now, they're like, hey, on the flip side, they're probably like, we got to step our game up. We're getting to be in the ring with Rey Mysterio. This is insane. <laughs> I think that's what they're doing, man. And they're leaving me behind, you know, every now and then I'll joke with them while I'm in the ring with them, you know, and I'll tell them, Hey guys, slow down, man. You ain't going to leave nothing for me to, to put out, you know, don't make me look bad. Don't make me look slow, please. <laughs> and they just laugh. They get giggles off of it. You know, they call me the master, <laughs> but uh, that's, that's definitely, you got to enjoy life, man. You got to enjoy being in there with, with uh, the up and coming stars of, of lucha underground you know um and the other the other thing I, i've been enjoying so much is uh you know the the backstage vignettes the the filming we get to do yeah um when it's when it's not wrestling time you know completely on a week 
on a weekly schedule of of filming vignettes and uh, filming the uh, the things that you need to film for the week. You know, putting the storyline together, and that has been incredible. Working with with Skip, um, he, he's an awesome person. He's he's the person that has been guiding me right now on uh, how to how to be in position, how to say certain things, how to make this look uh, the way it comes out on TV. You know, that, that is, that has been the highlight as well. You know, learning the other uh, side of the television. I never even thought about that for you. That could, yeah, that this is a whole different like style of wrestling with all the vignettes and all the, the, the episodic <laughs> moments that are in Lucha Underground. And, and for, for them, I would imagine it's got to be a little bit of a, how do we make this work? Because most of the guys that come into Lucha Underground are are, are taking on a new character, a new like you know, I mean, from uh, Ricochet being Prince Puma to, to to Shane Strickland being Killshot. Like, there's a character that they're working with the story of Lucha Underground. But when they brought you on board, it wasn't like they were like, "All right, Ray Mysterio, you're going to be a new name and a new character, and this is the story." So was that weird to like, you know, a you got to be true to your character, but also they're working. They're, they're they're putting all these pieces of a puzzle in for for lucha underground to work was that like a weird transition for you and also for them uh, i don't i don't think it was a weird transition for either of us yeah. you know uh i think from the from the moment that they knew i was going to be on board and i knew i was going to be on board you know uh the 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 staff is very professional from the writers to uh the film crew and uh you know it's it's when you're working with professionals, it makes everything so much easier. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened. You know, uh, they gave me my scripts, uh, probably a week before I was able to, to read everything, memorize it, you know, and when it was time to film, you know, be ready to, to film pretty much, you know, and that just made the whole process much easier. But, um, in, in general, uh, working together with the, with the Lucha Underground crew, with the El Rey crew, El Rey Network crew, was has been very enjoyable. Yeah. Very, very to the fullest. To the point where you think you want to like do more acting type stuff be, because of it, or? Well, um, I'm I'm truly enjoying it. Uh, the more I do, the more I enjoy it. So, who knows? Uh, hopefully, something will pick up off of this. Nice. Whether it's for the El Rey Network. Um, whether it's something, uh, um, completely separate, you know, uh, I really don't know right now, you know, I'm, I'm still growing in that range of, of learning how to deliver lines and, and, and facial facials for the cameras. You know, everything is so different here. It's very cinematic, very, uh, a good cinematic feel to it. So, um, by the time you see it on TV, it's like, wow. Yeah, Did I do really that good. They just make it look that good. <laughs> Either way, it's looking great, so you yeah. don't have to question that part. Yeah, it's been a great. I would imagine for you guys, you've had to have loved the the response from the fans. I mean, the, all of us are very obsessively in love with the product that is Lucha Underground, and then you go on to like I. You know, even like right now, like, hey, everybody go to El Rey Network on Wednesdays at 8 p.m. And if you want to see a different style of wrestling, you're going to just be blown away by not only the in-ring work, but like you've mentioned, the the the, the writing and the story arcs and, and, and the way that they inter, intertwine. It's just it's incredible. And it's got to be fun for you guys to try something new, to be a part of a new endeavor and just to see the reaction has been so fierce. Oh, but of course, you know, uh, and, and that's that's what that's what we feed off. 
is the the reaction of the fans, you know, the feedback, what they like, what they don't like. I still haven't had any any negative feedback from from the fans. You know, uh, it seems like they've been liking everything up to date. You know, we're uh, going into mid season of uh, uh, the third one, and and uh, the, the only thing I hear is is just incredible feedback they're very happy with the product so i think we're going to keep going the way we are and, and uh, of course putting in more work so uh we can get a, a double positive feedback that's a as a wrestler that has to feel i mean because i mean you look at in the world of wrestling that the fans can sometimes be a little overly critical and you're absolutely right i don't ever hear anyone complaining about anything about the product like everyone's very enjoys the ride that Lucha Underground takes them on, which is not typical of a wrestling fan because sometimes I, I get a little bummed out by my own fellow wrestling fans. It's like, just let the story unfold. We don't know what's going to happen. Does that get frustrating as a wrestler? I mean, I said, like, you know, it's, it, this is, seems to be with Lucha Underground. You're not experiencing that. But over the years, you've been a part of wrestling. Do you ever feel like sometimes the wrestling fans just aren't patient and they don't let stories develop and that sometimes they're too critical of of things that are written and, 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 and ways that the, the wrestlers are being, you know, pushed in certain ways. I have seen that when, when the story writing is very dull or very, uh-huh. uh, very, very predictive. Uh, you can see that. And, and, uh, um, but when you have good story writing, you know, you, you, you see the fans very happy, you yeah. know, uh, whatever wrestling show that they're watching at the time, you know, they're very happy. Uh, I recall with the angle that I was doing with Eddie at the time with, with Dominic, you know, the feedback was tremendous, right. you know, very similar to what we're getting back right now from, from Lucha Underground. So, you know, um, again, when, when you have a, a good team putting the stories together and all you have to do is deliver the story on television to uh, convince the fans of what's going on, then that means uh, the whole team is doing a great job. Has there been a time that you can remember where you're just like, you know, guys, this story's not working, whether it be for yourself or for maybe a, a friend that's a wrestler? Uh, do, 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 can you think of a time where you're just like, yeah, this is not working, guys? Hmm. I, wa- I want to say that maybe back in the day, uh, WCW, uh-huh. I believe Evan Courageous wanted to pitch a storyline and, and it just, I, I'm trying to remember what, what the whole scenario was of the storyline, but it just didn't sound very convincing. And the more he, he explained it to other of the wrestlers, they're like, ah, oh, man, I don't think that's going to work. <laughs> so you know that when the boys are telling you no, then it's no. <laughs> just let it go. Yeah, listen to your fellow wrestling partners. Yeah, yeah. yes. They know just as well, if not better than everybody else. Um, yeah, exactly. We're chatting with Ray Mysterio. I know I got to let you run. And uh, it's uh, Lucha Underground on 8 p.m. on Wednesdays on the uh, El Rey Network. Uh, one last question. Uh, the first thing that pops in your mind, whether it be recently or in the past, what was the craziest thing that happened to you while you were in the ring? The craziest thing that ever happened. Like one that makes everybody wow. laugh when um, you share it. <laughs> um, I'd probably have to go to back to, to Halloween Havoc 1997. Uh-huh. And... Uh, Eddie, Eddie, that, that night I was wearing an outfit that it was very different than what I normally wear. My masks normally have either a Velcro underneath the chin or, uh, or a zipper in the back. Uh And that day I was, I was wearing like, it was like a turtleneck that had a mask integrated with a turtleneck. So I had to take off the whole shirt in order for my mask to come off. 
and and the material was completely different than what I was accustomed to wearing. So Eddie was he kept on talking to me in the ring, and I and I kept on going what what what, and I was just I wasn't hearing him. So he just he got tired and he's like, God damn it, I'm talking to you. And he was just yelling. And if you knew Eddie, the way he got when he was frustrated because you weren't doing what he wanted you to do, uh-huh. then, wow, you just got a different Eddie, man. He, he was just hysterical afterwards. But at the time, I was scared. This man, <laughs> it was bad. It was bad. <laughs> I, I, I was still in the verge of becoming very good friends with Eddie, right. but had the utmost respect for him. You know, so I didn't, I didn't have his his trust at a hundred percent yet. I was getting there. So that's why I was scared. You're like, son of a bitch. I thought we were yeah. cool now. <laughs> yeah, I know. And he rocked me a couple of times in the face for that. <laughs> I learned my lesson, though. Right, man. It's always, a, I always love getting to chat with you, man. It's always a, a, a true pleasure. And I'm, I'm loving what you're doing with, uh, with Lucha Underground. And please keep it up. Uh, all of us wrestling fans have just been really pumped to see what the show has become and also all the great wrestlers that are a part of it. And obviously you're leading the charge and that's Wednesday nights, 8 PM on the L Ray network. Thank you again, as always. Thank you very much, man. It's always great talking to Ray Mysterio. All right, let me catch back up with the Rev and Glenn guys. Give me a second to flush. I was pooping. Oh, <laughs> uh, but, but I, I actually took a photo and made a meme of me pooping during the uh, break that I'll send to you guys uh, momentarily. <laughs> oh, that is amazing. So, so here's this. <laughs> <laughs> and flush. you know i'm keeping that part in the podcast now. Oh. <laughs> glenn, just, glenn just did the podcast while pooping well no I, I was good but then like i've been i've been kind of under the weather man which does this to me and i've been pounding coffee and some coffee a little bit too. of coffee there and we're talking and man it started hitting me in waves and then i started getting the cold sweats and i'm like man i'm gonna have to do this Oh, next, next time, next time we do this, I say all bets are off, and we all just podcast as we poop. Yeah, oh, right. dude. Yeah. Oh, dude, that'd be the first ever mix cast poop cast. <laughs> the plop cast. The plop cast. <laughs> can we time it? I mean, do you think like, like women can time their cycles sometimes if they spend too much time together? Do you think we could? <laughs> well, I, I think with the we we have to all be around each other for about four days. Yeah, but uh, you know, then then maybe we would synchronize, which is a terrifying thought, man. <laughs> right? Our, our significant others are all gonna be like, "What are you guys doing?" And we're like, "Oh, we're timing this out. We need to eat at this time because Glenn's eating at this time, Rev's eating at this time, and we plan on podcasting tomorrow on the on the toilet together." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you guys don't know what friendship is. We're gonna redefine it for you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's get out of here. Big thanks again to Ray Mysterio uh, for joining us on the MIGS cast. And uh, Glenn and Rev, I know uh, uh, I, I didn't mean to take away this much time of your day, but I really do appreciate it. Oh, no problem. Yeah, no, awesome being here, man. Miss you guys. I miss you, too. And have a, have a Merry Christmas, you boys. Yeah, yeah you, you too. too, man. You too, Rev. Have a great Christmas, man. You as well, Glenn. Have, have a good one, buddy. Thank you, as always, for listening to the MIGS cast. Uh, for the Glenn and for the Rev, stay positive. Are you really going to keep me talking about taking a... I, I think yes. it's funny, dude. If, if I come back after that interview and it's just the sound of you pooping, like the, the, the flush. I love it. That's amazing. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on What's in Your Podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.